This is episode 112 of the Rising Man podcast with Goa Loba. We cannot mend ourselves until we remember that we are unbreakable. Welcome back, brother, sister, my rising man family. My name is Jedi Azuma, and I'm your host today, and I'm the initiator of the Rising Man movement. Here at Rising Man, our mission is to initiate an entire generation of men so that all of our children have the leaders and examples they need to support them in the decades and the centuries to come. None of this is possible without community. None of it happens without culture. So before we engage in our discussion today, I want to invite you to become a bigger part of the Rising Man family. All of the Rising Man content, events, and information is living over at risingman.org. So if you're a man without a men's circle, wait no longer. Join us inside the Rising Man Fire Circle to get access to your own men's team, monthly training calls with me, guest presenters, and so much more. If you're looking for men's initiations, gatherings, and trainings to prepare you to be the man you've always wanted to be, check out this and all of our other offerings at risingman.org, especially mark your calendars for May 9th in San Francisco, May 16th if you're in Los Angeles. We're doing our one-day Call of the Warrior event where we teach you guys how to unlock your masculine power how to access greater confidence so you can apply that in your life. I've got my bros, Leon Ruri and Jamie Schuster coming all the way out from Australia again to teach us the haka so we can perform the haka together as brothers in unison. Yes, sign yourself up, get your tickets today. Early bird tickets are still on sale for the next couple of weeks, so go get them while they're available. My guest for today is Goa Loba. Goa is an entrepreneur, visionary artist, software engineer, and spiritual warrior. His company, Liquid Buddha Studios, provided the visual effects for the hit documentary Thrive, and his work has been seen by more than 100 million people worldwide. He recently founded the Midnight Lotus Mystery School and teaches the art of energetic self-defense. In this episode, we discuss how to shatter the illusion of powerlessness, why deeply experiencing our rage and anger is a key stage in masculine development how our collective conditioning leads to many disempowering belief systems. What role does pacifism play in men's work? We gave examples of ways to access, identify, and ground our raw power. Goa talked about how to figure out what your superpowers are and how to enhance them. He also talked about why choosing a new name has the potential to bring about changes in our character and the differences between a solo adventure and just lone wolfing it. Without further ado, go Aloba. All right, Rising Man family. Got another high-powered, high-energy brother on the show today, coming from Idaho, Boise, Idaho. Not from there, but you're coming from there. First time Idahoan on the show. Goa Loba. Good to have you on the show, man. How you doing? I'm super grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Honored. Yeah, really, really want to express that I resonate with the the core message that I feel like you guys are bringing through, what you're trying to do for men and move the needle for your own realization of power and, and strength. 
honestly, I'm just super grateful to be part of the legacy here. Awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and congratulations for hitting the 100. Yeah. But that was a big milestone. And so I'm uh, so like kicking into this next chapter. I'm just, I'm excited to add my part. Yeah, man. You get to be the beginnings of the next hundred. So Woo-hoo. yeah, man, good to have you on here. And, and before we start, just special shout out to Julian Subic, one of the guys on my mm-hmm. power team for bringing us together. Cause you're not a man who was on my radar. And I think it's just a testament to how many men are out there doing magnificent work and we're still just finding each other. That's something we could talk a whole lot more about, but just want to shout out Julian. Thank you, bro, for making this happen. Yeah. All right. So we had to just jump in and hit record because you and I were starting to go off already. (laughs) Uh, So let me, let me start here and we'll see where we go. What is the difference between a boy and a man? Such a great question. And I think that's a question that's really been fundamentally lost in our culture. And that's Mm. one of the reasons why I'm so glad you guys are bringing it. I think the fundamental difference, the shift is, is I would say it's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's a, it's a level of awareness. I think from a biological perspective, it's like, okay, I can now create life, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's a change in my, my perception of where I can impact the world. So I think it starts there. I think through an initiation process, you know, that, that you guys are bringing and that other cultures have, there's this sort of collective agreement that we, that we have. And that is a shift in our mind of, wow, okay, I'm a man now and I have to act like a man. And, and I think that's so lost in just our internal calling to step up into a greater beingness, mm. you know? And I think that's part of the awareness of coming into your manhood or womanhood or adulthood, you know, that, that I think that's the, the fundamental of it. Mm. Awesome, man. Let me let me tip right into something I asked you before we hit record. And I ask everybody this. We don't always get to it on the show, but I asked you, is there a simple singular message you want to make sure you convey to men, you know, before we finish this conversation? And you said to me that you want to shatter the illusion of powerlessness. I was like, so powerful. I mean, even just that as a mission in life to to help every individual recognize that we are powerful beings. I, I love that. Mm. And it made me think mm-hmm. to myself as we're talking about the difference between a boy and a man, when I first started to feel powerful, because I think like, you, like you're suggesting, that's, it's an inevitability. We are powerful, but maybe we don't recognize it. I remember I was an adolescent. I was 16, 17 years old when I first felt how powerful I can be. At first in a physical sense, but also to see the influence that physical power could have on the people around me, I was afraid mm-hmm. of it. I was scared yeah. of it. I didn't have... My parents were scared of it too, because it, it it showed up as a as a, a rage. I was angry at, at a, an argument I got in with my girlfriend, which was you know really not that important, but it evoked this response in me. And nobody around me knew what to do with it, so it made me afraid of it, and therefore I suppressed it for the greater part of a decade after that. Yeah. So, talking about power, feeling powerful, and accepting that we're powerful, what do you think are some of the things we need to carve through? so that we can really embrace that and own it. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that story because I, I was going to ask you about that specifically. So mm. I, I think at a base level, we, we're conned. It's a lie. Mm. And I think that's, that's sort of a fundamental truth that we have to kind of just all wake up into is that we're born into a time and place that has a tremendous amount of illusion imposed on us, mm. right? It's, it's not natural. It's all a natural imposition of suppression of our own power. Mm. And I think, so just realizing like, okay, we've been indoctrinated into this system of powerlessness. That's part of the key, right? There's a quote, I can't remember exactly how it said, but something it's like, we're our, our greatest fear is truly of our own potential power. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a real truth to that, as you were saying. And I think because it's so far suppressed, it's like, we don't even talk about it. We don't encourage it. Like, imagine if you, if you were raising a teenager and had 
and created an environment for them that was safe for them to actually explode, mm-hmm. for them to express fully, completely, knowing that they're in a safe space, you know, like the equivalent of like a spiritual padded room, right? You can't do anything wrong. Right. But, and just having someone there to hold that energy and to go, yeah, that's okay. Mm. And yeah, it may feel a little weird. You know, I mean, I think part of the, the challenge is that, wow, you let yourself express and you're right out there on this edge, like dangling over a cliff. It's like, I, nobody knows what to do, right? Mm. We need a spotter. We need somebody there that's been through that, you know, that's been handled it, knows how to temper it, mm-hmm. you know, how to wield it. I think part of why I'm so excited about the work that you're doing in the fire circle, and I want to ask you about what does fire mean in that fire circle? Because mm-hmm. I consider myself a firebender. Mm. And that's one of my superpowers. I want to talk about superpowers too. Sweet. And it's like, there's a tremendous amount of power in actually just being with mm. someone in a different vibration. You know, I always call it like sitting next to the drum, mm-hmm. right? It's like, to really learn to play the drum, you just need to sit next to it for a while until you feel the beat in your body. It's like, and then when you can feel the beat in your body, it's like, to me, that's that you've incorporated it. It's integrated, you know, and I think being around other men that can hold that fire, Mm. right? The truth of that fire in a constructive and positive way, I think just being in that, like we need to acclimate to that energy Mm -hmm. and just feel it, you know, in in our sense. I think we spend so much time in the mind, right? And so I'm always trying to address things from not just a mind psyche perspective, but like we got to bring in the spiritual and the body too. It's got to be mind, body, phys- you know, mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah. And so the primary work that I do is I find access points in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it generally things start in the spiritual, they work into the, the emotional and the psychological mental, and then they get into the body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like when someone's dealing with a health issue, it's already in the body. You got to deal with the body, right? But you can also deal with the mind component of that. And you can deal with the spiritual component of that, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and I think true health, you have to deal with all three, but if you can catch an illness coming in when it's only at the spiritual level, it never get never gets to the physical, you know? So part of it's access point, part of it's realizing that we, we are a powerful, you know, body instead of coming at things from powerless, you know, perspective. Let, let me, you know? let's zero in on physical power first, because in my assessment of things, that's, especially in the culture that we've created for boys becoming men, physical power is usually where it starts to turn on and engage first, right? We get that first gush of testosterone, we start growing muscles, our frame fills out a little bit. Now it's like, oh, wow, I could throw some weight around. Obviously, different capacities for different guys. But I think that's the first one that comes in. So in your assessment of things, how can we better support these young guys being in their bodies and grounding that physical power so that they build a positive relationship with power and influence from a young age? Mm, Great question. So I think there's so much focus on the physical aspect. Mm. Part of that's by design. Part of that's just by circumstance of, you know, growing bodies, right? But I think, so this is kind of an abstract answer, but I think it's through stillness. Mm. I think true understanding of the body is to actually try and get out of our mind and into the body, Mm. you know? I think there's a lot of subtle levels to that too, but they're only accessed through stillness. You have to go still Mm. in order to really tune into the body to get like, to get communication with the body. What does the body need? What does the body have excess of? What does it need to, you know, vent out? How do I bring myself back into balance? There's a ton of information that you can get from the body, Mm. but we spend a lot of time in the head, you know, I think there's other aspects of the body which are like, I remember the first times that I, you know, really started to get 
like deep in the mind of meditation. And I'd have some floaty come through. And it was usually about like finances, lack of finances, worry about money. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And, and I'll be damned if I wouldn't start to sweat. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, and I started to clue in. It's like, how amazing is this? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not lifting an ounce of energy. I'm not lifting something, but now I'm like fully sweating as if I'm pumping weights. Yeah. And all that's changed is I had a floaty comes through my head. It's like that kind of awareness. We have to start tuning into that mm. so that we really can, you know, we can tune in with our body. And I think from that aspect with a greater awareness, then we can really wield that power in a more productive and appropriate way. Yeah. I like that because obviously it's different for each and there's an individual mm-hmm. component to it, right? Cause there's, there's going to be some guys who are very physical, very in their body and their strength and feeling their power and would really benefit from learning how to be still it's like polarity in, in yep. that power spectrum. And then there's also a lot of guys where I, I fell more into this line of the spectrum where I was more of a pacifist. I never wanted to engage with that power. Cause like I said before, I was afraid mm-hmm. of it that I, I needed to engage and express that to know what I was capable of. And I, I think there's a lot of guys who fall into that category where you got to know what you can do and what your limits yeah. are, because if you don't, then either you're going to be afraid of them or they will come up in a moment of reactivity that you you just don't even know what you can do. And that these are these stories of guys who who are nice guys that just explode. Right. Yeah. So I, I like what you're saying, because you're, you're bringing it into the realm of this intangible sort of abstract power that we have this this like it's a great example man you're right I was I was thinking what are some of the thoughts I used to have in my head as a teenager as a young man that would make me sweat and and get really uncomfortable it was had a lot to do with self-worth had a lot to do with beliefs or fears about what might happen if I if I approached this girl that I'm interested in what might happen and all of a sudden I'm sweating everywhere and it's not a good look so it's it is that your thoughts are so powerful yeah. And so that's that's obviously another really important territory. So if if we zoom out for a second and we're just talking about everyone is powerful, so we're trying to realize our power and nurture it, what what do you think are some of the most f- core components to accessing, identifying and grounding this power? I think identification, let's take that first, because then through identification you can access, right? Mm-hmm. And then through the access then you can really, you know, ratchet up the power. So again, stillness is the access point. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for what's the access point. Where do I have leverage? Where can I actually affect the system? You know, it's like, where, where are my options, right, that I have connection to? So I think through stillness, mm-hmm. you can start to ask those right questions of who am I? Mm-hmm. I think even the better questions to start with are, who, what am I not? I think there's a tremendous amount of conditioning that's imposed on us that is just simply not us. Mm -hmm. So I found a very powerful question to be, is this mine? Mm. I'm having an emotion come through. Is this mine? 99% of the time, it's just not mine. It's simply I'm picking it up from the field. And because of my own design and pathic I am, or because of my own particular makeup, I know that this is just passing through. You know, just having that awareness, it's like it, it took a tremendous amount of spare cycles that I would use up in my mind you know, working on something that just wasn't mine. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like the quickest way to just drop it, move on to what is mine. Mm-hmm. Through stillness, getting to know yourself, you have to spend a lot of time really trying to know who you are. Mm. And I think, I think knowing who you are has a bunch of different reverberations. One, you know when people see you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. When people recognize who you are, then you know that you're in right alignment and you can, you know, good work that can be done and there's potential there. If somebody is seeing me for who I'm not, I know that this is going to be a tough situation. You know what I mean? Like they can't see me. Uh, there's going to be a lot of tension to fight through all that. So seeing yourself, knowing yourself, 
that can give you clues as to what your superpowers are. Mm. You know, am I more intuitive? Am I more creative? Do I have technical abilities? Do I have a smart mind? Do I have smart hands? It's like, like you said before, often, and depending on your makeup, who you are, and this is something you got to know, sometimes you just got to go try something. Mm-hmm. You know, to go, oh, this is a total fit or man, oh, this is a total fail. Like, and I'm going to move on. You got to have that experience. And, you know, often you're going to be surprised by things that, you know, come through that you didn't know that you had. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think this is a good segue into bringing in a little bit of your story and also your personal philosophy into the access and identification stage of power and its development. Part of your story is this chapter of your life where you had more of a heretic lifestyle, where you were solo, you know, kind of wandering and following your feet, I imagine, towards the experiences that you intuitively were calling in for yourself. Now, to to set up this question in this conversation we can have here, a big part of my beliefs and what I found worked for me was these initiations, these rites of passages, these trials that had the support of community that were organized in a traditional way where I was welcomed on the other side or received on the other side by men specifically who had gone through that themselves before. So same field of work we're talking about, but your proponent or at least your experience and what you're suggesting is is having that solo experience. So I'd like for you to speak yeah. a little bit into that and for us to have a conversation about, you know, what are the crossover points? Sure. Yeah. So I love as I was listening to some of the previous podcasts, you you guys were talking about specifically the hundredth one, you and your the two other men were talking about how like the threshold, you know, we hold that threshold experience. This is sort of controlled trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I hadn't really thought about it in that way because I, my, my first reaction is like all trauma. We just, we don't want that. And I was, and then I started like, okay, well, let, me, let me think about that. It's like, is it, you know, trauma in a controlled environment in that way set up with the right, with the right setup, you know, is, is that, and I, and I totally agree. I think that is, I think that has a tremendous amount of potential, mm-hmm. right? With the right understanding, the right wisdom in that group, I think there's a, that's the right thing. Personally, for me, I had always held a sort of spiritual awareness. You know, I was involved in my church when I was growing up. And I was always, in, in, you know, intrigued by things like the UFO and, you know, people who were psychic readers and this kind of stuff. But I didn't really like hit my own spiritual path until I had some own, my own like personal trauma in my life mm. in the sense that I had a marriage that was failing. I'm a pilot and, and big catalyst for me was actually flying in to see a friend of mine at an unfamiliar airport. And I actually came very close to crashing the airplane I was flying. And that like, you know, just like somebody has when they almost crash a car or something like that, you, you, it's a wake up mm-hmm. and you kind of, and it, and it reverberates and you kind of go, okay, what, what in my life isn't working? What needs to change? And so I, I had those kind of catalyst moments that, that for me, I, I decided like I need to go lean into my spirituality. I have to go figure this part out. This is what's being called in me. Mm-hmm. And part of it, I think, was just kind of like, this is where I felt safe. Mm. And I think part of that was I was brought up with these, with these wonderful parents that actually took me to see people like Leo Buscalia mm. or Zig Ziglar. Tony, Brian Tracy, some of these people that like, they, they helped me get into the interface between mind and spirit mm. and start thinking about those kinds of questions. Anyway, so I had my like big awakening and realized I need to go travel. And that was part of the journey of like just getting out of my environment. I think travel is a very uh, important piece. 
again, getting to another people, another culture's frequency, mm-hmm. you know, that has different priority systems. I think that's really important to feel, especially when we're in such a materialistic culture, like go to some cultures that just don't have that materialism mm. and you see how happy they are, <laughs> you see how fulfilled they are. And you're like, wow, there's so much access to that without having it to be, I have to buy something. Mm. And, and along the way, when I started traveling internationally, I came across these concepts of like people would change their names too. I thought that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I actually went through and while I was traveling, it was like I was part, I was holding like, where's my name? So Goa is a chosen name. I changed that about 20 years ago when I had this, when I went through this process. And so I think there's power in that. And so I, I to me, I was like uh, investigating some of these indigenous cultures, hearing some of these stories and like on my own little lone wolf journey, you know, trying, trying on some of these things. And then ultimately I, I came through some of that. And then I found a similar, I don't know if you're familiar with the Mankind Project. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went through the, the new warrior initiation training and that was kind of my formalized piece. And even though I had really gone through some of those other angles and aspects, man, it was a powerful experience. Mm. And I think part of it was, you know, doing it in, in group. Yeah. Well, I was really interested in, in your particular story. In fact, any man who goes on a quest is really what I think of it as any, any sort of quest. And he comes away with a story to tell from it, especially someone who's embodying and integrating their lessons that they received along the way. It, it always fascinates me because the tradition I come from, we have a saying in, in, in our community that your way is the way. There's no mm-hmm. right way to go and, and perform a vision quest. There's no right way to go and fast and to, to say a prayer or conduct a ceremony. Your way is the way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've really embraced and embodied that mentality especially when it comes to initi- initiations, because I, if I start to pretend like I know what any individual person means, I'm, I'm putting myself up here and that's something I never want to yeah. do. And so I'm relating my story to your experience where before I ever went on my vision quest and fasted, I did something similar to what you did. I, I intuitively felt that I needed to remove myself from my environment because it was essentially it was too comfortable. It was too familiar. I was running around on the hamster wheel, not getting anywhere. And I couldn't see where it, it, it was leading me to nowhere. So I knew something needed to change. And what I hear in your story is with what I relate to and resonate with is going to those fringes of comfort, you know, going all the way out to the edge and looking over the edge and looking off the edge of the cliff and seeing what's, what it looks like down there was terrifying. And there's a part of me personally that needed to do that alone. I needed to go and experience yeah. that alone because I was the young person who would retreat back to my community. I'm really good at building community and, and relationships. I'm good at being around people and nurturing camaraderie. So to go out into a world where nobody knew me, I don't know anybody else. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where to go to be safe. I can only find that within myself was a big part of the journey. Now, we talk about lone wolfing. I talk a lot about why not to do that, mm-hmm. but to go on a solo adventure where you set off and see what you're made of could produce, I know it did for me, could produce a lot of information and insights that can then be integrated into a community. Because I do think that it's having both, being able to go out on your own for whether it's for four days, four months, four years at a time, but then coming back to a community that will see you, that will mirror you and help hold you in whatever you discovered about yourself. Yeah. To me, it, it's hearkening to this like weird duality, right? Mm. We're in community, 
we're all connected and yet I'm just in my own little mind world spirit body thing, you know, it's like, <laughs> so I, I am, I am this little bubble of experience mm. and yet I am connected and like, how do we navigate and explore and, and, and what's right, what's wrong. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a spectrum of experience, yep. but I think there's also, there's a lot of really great meaning in there. So let me just take it in one direction. One thing I wanted to talk about today presence was the journey to me is it's a continually, it's an unfoldment, mm-hmm. right? It's never done. It's always progressing. It's always unfolding. And for me, my intention was I wanted to have my consciousness expand so that my perspective is greater and greater and greater. Mm-hmm. I was looking for like this largest perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, along the way, holding that, you realize that, you know, kind of like when you, if we look at boys to men, beliefs I held as a boy, duality that made perfect sense at a, at a, at a lower perspective, you can get a higher perspective where that duality diminishes, mm-hmm. right? And it becomes unified again. Right. And so I think we're kind of talking about this. It's like solo journey, stillness, meditation, being alone intentionally, really, really being silent within yourself, mm-hmm. and then going out and being in that connected peace. And I think, you know, to me, I actually kind of play in the, in the realm of the unseen of connecting with that with the larger, with the larger collective, but in energy, mm, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we can, cause we can do it in circle, right? But if we don't have access to those circles, we can still, you know, affect what I call social acupuncture. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like going out uh, affecting things, you know, where you have standing, where you have the right, so you're not creating karma for yourself, but we have the ability to do that. And then there's, there's an understanding where, you know, where it is all the same, you know, the, I think the full integration to me is when you start to make decisions, including everyone else, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that, you know, when we, when we bring it home, we can start to make yeah, decisions like that. I think that's incorporating that piece of it in. I'd, I'd really like to know more about the fire piece of like the fire circle. Like tell me the fire and what that represents for you. And like, what does that aspect mean? Let's explore that. Yeah. So when, when you asked before about fire circles, the reason we say fire circles is because in my estimation. This is what men have been doing for as long as we've been collaborating as a species, you know, circling up around a fire, some version of sharing what's working and what's not working in life so that we can advance our species. Mm -hmm. And so uh, also just the element of fire. Uh, Personally, I've always been connected to, I'm a fire sign. I've always been a very fiery guy, but fire to me is very masculine. You know, it's, it can create and it can destroy. It's very deliberate and very simple it knows what it's doing. It's like the, the spending time around a fire with the spirit, the entity of fire. It's it's very very intentional, and it can, like I said, it, wow. it can it can cut or it can warm. It and it can do both at the same time. So it's just a powerful teacher. That's that's how I hold it. So I, I believe it to be very masculine. So anytime fire is brought into the conversation, that's immediately where my mind goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that it's it's a it's a it's a really good example of of dual edged sword kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it can cut, it can warm, it brings light, it can burn that shit down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a to me, it's a it's a transformational mm-hmm. kind of piece. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I access fire is like when there's when I feel there needs to be some sort of a transformation. That's that's the. I remember I was I was in a meditation a couple of weeks ago with another group I was with, and I I got this image of wings of light. Hmm. boots of fire. Hmm. And I was like, oh, and I, and I kind of been leaning into that metaphor, that, that image and thinking, yeah, that's kind of, 
I, I feel like that's on purpose for my life. It's like, I only want to walk where I have standing. Hmm. And I'll explain that in a second. But it's like to walk with boots of fire. It's like you can always illuminate the path, but you're always, the path is, is one of transformation. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. I really like that, man. It, it makes me want to pivot into this conversation around a word that I'm seeing show up more in the space. One of the funny things about this, you know, personal development entrepreneurial world is everybody's looking how to make themselves more unique. And the irony <laughs> is that we're all the same. So I am always interested in words that start getting to be used, you know, like in terminology, like holding the space and, and things that now it's everybody uses. And it's like, well, why did we have to, why don't we just say, the more simple version of that. But anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. The <laughs> word that I know was, I, I know that you use and I've seen other men use in this space is sovereignty. Mm. And I'm, I'm big on words. I love words. I love etymology of words. So I looked it up before sure. we got on here. The etymology, the definition of it was around like 14th century medieval times meant great, superior, supreme. You know, the explicit definition of, of it is to have full right and power of a governing body over itself. And if you break it down, reign, we know to reign over something means to rule over. And S-O-V is similar to the root of S-O-U, which is personal. It's it's me. It's it also is very it's connected to the to the root of the word soul. Mm. So that which I am, reigning over that which I am is is how I've broken down that word. So what is sovereignty? What does it mean to you? And and why even use that word in in a in a modern time where there's not kings and queens walking around? This is a new topic that completely lights me up. I love this one. Again, because I think it's part of the illusion that we need to break. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a, the, the fundamental piece of it is where does your authority lie? Mm. Like where have I placed my authority? Is it in me or have I put it outside of me? Mm-hmm. When we bring the in authority in and we operate fully from our own internal authority, that's, that's when we're in our sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I think it may be easier to relate for people to think about authority there's a slippery slope that sovereignty is has a feeling of dominion over others. Mm, right. And I think that's that's completely wrong. I think that's the illusion of that. I think sovereignty is absolutely dominion over my own self, as we've been talking about. And then the flip side of that is like, and that it comes with respect of someone else's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. There is this complete understanding of it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It, if it's in me, it extends out to everyone else. And that's part of the relationship, you know? Right. And I think, I think the more we start living that way, I think it'll be, I think that's the quickest way to start breaking down this illusion of external authority, yeah, you know? Yeah, I do. And so guys like Ryan Mickler and Traver Bohm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with these guys, but I've seen them use the words sovereign or sovereignty. And my interpretation of it is that it's, it's a really a conversation about boundaries and boundaries mm-hmm. in the same realm of what you, what you say is authority. I really like the word authority because again, wordplay, right? The root of yeah. authority is author, to be the author of something. And when we start talking about personal narratives, beliefs we have about ourselves or beliefs we've inherited that other people had about us, you're dumb, you're too fat, you're too slow, etc. That's giving authority away, giving the pen to somebody else to tell you what's true about you or what's true about the world. So exactly. there's this reclaiming of authority that that we talk about, um, personal power, superpowers that I'm giving you the alley-oop, man. I want you to just jump in and, and school <laughs> us on, on where, where your perspective is on this. I, I approach some of this from a, it's called human design, something mm. I'm studying. I like human design because it talks about internal authority versus external authority. Hmm. And so I, you know, that to me was just even thinking, holding those words, it was like, okay, what does that mean? And from the human design perspective, the only true 
useful place of the mind is external authority. Meaning if I'm trying to support in someone else's understanding, like I can add my wisdom from an external authority, like I can explain something, I can help guide, I can do that kind of work. That's externalizing my authority. Hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that from the human design perspective, that's the only appropriate place of the mind. Hmm. It's not actually to rule our internal hmm. authority, which I think that's very also very interesting. So part of the trip is for real internal authority is you got to get into, you got to get out of the mind and again into the body, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And one of these, I think, marvelous access points, are you familiar with what's called kinesiology or muscle testing? Yeah, dude. And my background is, uh, I'm a doctor to physical therapy too. So Sweet. I'm right with you, man. Do it. Yeah. So like, to me, that's a primary tool of one, it gets you into the body. So you can test like, you know, you access the body wisdom, right? And I think that's a, that's a piece of it. Give it, giving it a voice that's beyond what the mind conditioning is, I think is important because that gets us closer to the truth. Mm-hmm. I would like what you're saying about the author piece, right? There's a, there's a manifestation angle of that, right? Like I'm, I'm creating the story mm-hmm. of my journey, the meaning of my, that I'm attaching to things. I, gr- I absolutely agree that having the shift in perspective is part of, you know, that's, a, that's an important piece of it. I think the boundary piece is so important because it, it, it delineates this is something I like to talk about. It's like energetic hygiene. Hmm. You know, it's like, we all understand the word hygiene, but from an energetic perspective, it's, you know, what am I taking on? That's not mine that I need to clear, but also what am I putting out? You know, it's like living in this, we're in an environment, which we're in a big fishbowl. Like our, our energies are always commingling. Mm-hmm. Our auras are always mixing and presencing that, knowing that, and then tending to that is part of that boundary condition. You know what I mean? It's like knowing where my boundary is, where it isn't. And I think often we get confused on, oh, I have standing to go mess in somebody else's business. Mm. You know, it's like I, I, I say, you know, don't walk where you can't standing. If I don't have standing here, it's like there's, there's no business for me to be here. Mm. And I think, you know, gee, even just getting that, like a lot of times in therapy, we spend a lot of time trying to, you know, change other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, ah, your only access point is inside, right? And the joke is, you change what's inside and then suddenly your perception and what physically is outside that changes too. Right. So it's yeah. all kind of, you know, mystical in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and that makes me think of something. I don't think we've really talked about here on the show before back to this idea of authorship boundaries and where we give authority away to. And I still don't think people really recognize it. And I, I catch myself in it too. It's a, it's a level of awareness. It's a skill set to recognize mm-hmm. where we are claiming authority and where we're projecting authority, even if we don't have have the right to do so. Because this is at least my belief. I'm, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say. For me to say what's true for anybody else, to me, is just not within my human right. I believe we all have a human right to say what's true for us. We yes. all have a responsibility to own what's true for us. To me, that's that, I guess, that internal authority, you know, knowing oneself, perhaps. Mm. And it's funny because you see traces of evidence in different cultures and religious beliefs, right? You hear the same messaging that tells you know thyself, right? That's, that's the inner authority. Mm-hmm. And, but for any of us, of us to project anything other than curiosity or to bring anything other than curiosity to a conversation with somebody else immediately creates disharmony in the energetic yeah. fields, right? And on a very practical level, because I think it's also important to speak to that. As soon as I push you and tell you something that's true that you don't vibe with, it doesn't line up with your internal arrangement of your internal structure, you're going to push back. 
It's the laws of the universe. If I tell you, you know what, man, that thing that you think about sovereignty, that's a bunch of BS. I hope that you would stand for yourself. But but and when, as soon as we do that, it's not a conversation. It's conflict, right? We're coming up against yeah. each other in that. And we can have a dialogue where both of us has space to believe, to have our beliefs be valid without one of them needing to reign supreme. So I, going back all the way back to sovereignty, having supreme reign over one's own internal environment and internal belief value core value structure is it, it creates foundation to go out out into the world and that's this is where i see a lot of guys suffer is they're walking around in the world waiting for somebody to tell them is this okay should i do this yeah. is this all right is this going to lead me towards this outcome versus just tapping into that internal truth and then leading from there and that happened for me first when I left my home, I took a backpack and I and my and my djembe and I traveled on the road for four mm. months and nobody knew me. I didn't know anybody else. It was uncomfortable, but that was where I first started to listen to my guts mm. and not everything else around me. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean it's it's I think it's an essential part of the process, you know. We're touching on all these different aspects. It's like you gotta be still, you gotta get outside of your environment, you know, but all of it is it's pointing inside so that we can decondition from what's not us, really truly find what is us. And then to me, it's like then once you've got a foothold of that, it's like then you can put the pedal down, mm. you know? It's like then you can, you can come out with that beautiful chisel and start carving masterpieces. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you finally have a tool that is yours. I mean, again, this is another one of those duality pieces. Like you're saying, yeah, we are all the same. And yet I think we are, we are swinging towards uh, more of a, of a differentiation. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think like Corey Good is one of my t total heroes right now. I think he, and he speaks about this too. It's like everybody has a job, right? And this is why I love the sovereignty piece because it totally fits into this. You, you fully embrace and activate, embody your own sovereignty. You are in the belief system as I am absolutely important to the fundamental existence. Fabric of existence cannot, cannot be without me. I am critical. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is, is just as critical, Yes. right? Yes. And everybody needs to step into that power, let all that other crap go, and I think there's there's other access points of like, okay, following your bliss, that get that orients your compass, you know, mm -hmm. towards your purpose. I think all this is kind of getting towards service. When you get out of the duality, the fundamental duality, boundary crap of, of sovereignty, mm -hmm. you get into this, wow, okay, for really to fulfill the purpose of my soul and to step into my human sovereignty and soul sovereignty, mm -hmm. wow, it's really being in service. But that's a choice, right? Mm -hmm. And like, so that's the sovereignty piece is like, you have to choose to be of service, right? But to me, this is where it all integrates, right? But you can't, it, it has to come from this as high as perspective as you can of where does my soul, you know, what does it want? What is it? Where is it guiding me? Like part of one of my prayers is make me perfectly aligned with my highest self and always acting for my internal authority. It's like trying to, to really bring that part of, part of you in. And, you know, this, is, this gets off into another wild subject, which I love talking about. I don't know how you feel about time travel, <laughs> multiple timelines, well, fractalization well, let's, let's, of time. let's see if this next question I have gets us there because I want to I spotlight something before we go into that okay. realm. To me, this is the reason why we have X-Men and not one X-Man. Like you said, you were talking about everybody having their own mm. specific territory, 
right? The, the, this is who you are. This is this is your ground. This is this, the ground that you stand on, I think is one way you said it. I know that you even threw out the word superpower. So just using a superhero reference, you know, for all, for all you guys who are, you know, I'm a big X-Men nerd. I love the X-Men. I have since I was a kid. If you need a foot soldier who you need to throw in there and go and thrash some shit up and can take maximum damage, you send in Wolverine first. You let him go in there. You let him sweep <laughs> out the first round of grunts. And then you bring in some of the more vulnerable, specialized X-Men, right? If you need to, you know, drop some drop some lightning bolts on, on everybody and shake things up, you got to bring in Storm. And each of these characters has their own unique gift, their own skill sets that when put together, they accomplish incredible things, right? They save the day, they save the world, they save the universe sometimes. And so Mm. I love the superhero archetype, especially because, you know, I love Joseph Campbell. I love the mythology of the hero's journey. But I also know that you seem to be a guy who's into superpowers and a little bit of the uh, otherworldly. So what are your thoughts? What, what is a superpower? What's your superpower? What do you want to say about all that? I, I'm going to turn it back on you first. What is your superpower? <laughs> I want to know from you. This is a great question, man. I don't know if I can articulate it clearly, but what, I, what I've recognized in myself is that I have a tremendous amount of endurance, which is maybe more of a quality that when paired with clarity around my mission to, to, to call people forward into their greatest selves and to lead that charge using my, using my voice, using my creative abilities, whatever it is, that I somehow I, I can bring people together. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what it is without being more articulate with it is the variety of skills that I have somehow brings people together around a common mission. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to think about that a little bit. What is my superpower? I'd like to you know, reflect on that some more and really see if I can hone it in. I would totally recommend to do that because I think it unlocks a lot for people when you can, when you can, because I, I do, I love the superhero movies too. And I think that's why they're so popular. Mm. I think this is, this is the, this is part of the light forces trying to change the narrative, trying to influence cultural thinking into into all of this. I, I remember there was a new show. Uh, I can't remember the name of the sh- story, but it was uh, one of the central characters and his actual name was Hero, right? He was this Japanese guy who could stop oh, time. Oh, Heroes. It was the, the show was called Heroes. Oh, it was called yeah. Heroes, right? right, right. Yeah, I watched that. I love that, so right? Because and, and I think to me, it's like, this is, I honestly think this is where we're, we're actually, this is where we're manifesting. Uh-huh. I think this is the trip we're going into. People are waking up that they have these powers and these gifts as the narrative of suppression. Ordinary and, people, right? Like these are just like, you know, quote unquote, everyday I'm putting up people, air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> you and me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because we all do just like in that story. Right. And that's why I love that story so much that, that show. Cause it was like, how do you, you know, you come upon the superpower and how do you deal with it? Right. Like that's yeah. one of the common themes. It's like, I don't know how to, con- how to control it or, you know, have, have some, any, any amount of leverage over it. So I just reflecting back on you, I, there's, there's a weaver aspect of that. Mm. I, I see there's a weaving, you know, people sometimes say that's like spider totem, you know, the, the web yep. of connection and that kind of thing. And I absolutely see that. I think there's something deeper though, for you, if I could just look at it. Yeah. There's a warrior aspect of it. Right. And there's a flame aspect of it. It's like a torchbearer. I feel like there's this torchbearer kind of an aspect, mm. an illumination, mm. you know, I don't know what that, if that, if that gets you anywhere, but it, it, it also like, for me, I'm just seeing this in my mind, it manifests into like almost a staff, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that, and I think that staff to me, that's a, an emblem of, wow, it's coming in is it's ancestral wisdom. Mm. Right. So I think this is your, your part of your superpower is from at least what I can see is, your ability to weave people together, right? 
to bring people around the staff the wisdom of of the ancestral way, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and and bringing that back into the world. Yeah. And and oh my God, so needed, dude. So yeah. glad you're here <laughs> doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and perhaps the you know the the rising man is is the you know the manifestation of that staff or what what that staff symbolizes because I everything you say I, I resonate with and and since I'm yeah. just getting to know you I, I'd like to hear about your superpower before we got to wrap it up here uh, and, and just tell <laughs> tell us a little bit about that and then anything else you have to say for any other man out there who's trying to figure out what theirs is. Yeah. Again, I think this is part of a stillness piece, which is part of this, like you have to get still so you can start to notice things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I've noticed over a long period of time is one of my superpowers is I'm a finder. I can find stuff. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like uh, one of my favorite stories while I was traveling, I have this wonderful leather hat, like a Indiana Jones kind of hat. And I was climbing Kilimanjaro Mm. summit uh, night. And if you've ever done any of that kind of climbing, you actually go out in the middle of the night, midnight is when you start that trek. Right. Mm. And I'm, we're trekking, everything's good. And I'm on this face and this big wind come and knocks my hat totally off and is gone Mm. down the mountain. Mm -hmm. And I'm super bummed because I'm like, you know, part of my ego is, a, you know, wrapped up in this hat and stuff. (laughs) Anyway, go and summit on the way down. And I decide, I decide to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow the trail anymore. And there's this big shale hill. I just want to like surf down this shale hill and just, I want to, anyway, so I, I go running down this hill and boom, right onto my hat. It's like, oh man. So, so finding things, that's, that's one superpower that I've sort of identified for my own self. You also said something about being a firebender. Is that part of your superpower or something that you bring into what you do? You know that again, that's something I've noticed, you know, over, over the years of the work, and I, when I talk to the, about the work, I'm talking about more of this, like dealing with the unseen, mm. clearing, trying to do healing work uh, for myself and others. Fire keeps sh- showing up, mm. you know? And so um, I've started to like lean into that and think, okay, you know, in the same way that you're talking about, it's like, it does a lot of different things. It can cut, it can burn, it can illuminate, it can warm, mm. you know, all those different aspects. And so I'm still figuring it out, but I know that that's part of my, part of the piece, I feel like it's like I come from a tribe of fire. Yeah. And when I lean into it, it's a, again, it's about this, it's about transformation and illumination, mm. you know? And I think for me, part of it is getting okay with the pain of transformation. Mm. One quote that's kind of gotten me through the years has been, we're all broken and we're not mended until we remember that we're unbreakable. Mm. And so there's kind of like, you know, we come into this with this programming and when, when we realize that it's just a program and we're really not that way, it makes the fire of transformation almost enjoyable in that sense of like, then you can really, cause, cause then, you know, it's like facing your shit when you do, you know, do you doing shadow work is also a treasure hunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like when you, when it's all focused on the shadow, it can be really hard. But when you're like, ah, there's treasure coming, then, it, you know, everything feels more in balance. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that quote, man. I'm going to have to tuck that in my back pocket because you had me for a second there. You, you, you said, we're all broken. I was like, Ugh. What? What are you talking about? I, know, but then right? you sit there and I was like, oh, you got me. You got me, dude. Because I, I mean, I, not much needs to be said about that. But, you know, I definitely agree with you that, you know, we're, we're not we're not broken. That's just a belief system. So nice one. You yeah. got me. You got me. Uh, <laughs> listen, man. I know it stops me every time I start it, too. It's like I have to know that it's it's actually going to resolve. That's funny. Oh, right man. On. Well, so, so this is where we got to start tying it together because clearly you and I could go on for hours here and I'm sure it would be amazing. But another chapter, another time. Before we go, 
Let me ask you a few closing questions, you know, right from the gut, lightning round style, whatever comes to the top of the dome. You ready? Sure. I just want to press this one piece before that. Yeah. My focus is predominantly on the spiritual aspect, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at the king, warrior, magician, lover piece, it's like, I'm all magician. It's all mystic. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of my focus. Mm-hmm. And I something that I feel like is, and I really don't know how you run your circle, so I don't want to say that this is something you do, but something that I've noticed, or at least as part of the, the training that I did, the spiritual aspect was sort of hinted at, you know, the people that knew, knew they could feel it, but it wasn't like, I think there's, I think there's some, there's some power to be gained in actually presencing it intentionally mm. and realize, you know, to me, it's like when you, anybody circles up you, and you create a container to do any kind of like work, mm. you're, you created a sacred space, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that sacred space by default, you're already bending time and space, mm. Right. Mm. Because I mean, to me, it's like doing any of the work, like, oh, I had a past trauma. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to try and heal that trauma, Mm. create a sacred space. Boom. We're already mending. We're already bending time and space Mm. because I'm, you know, part of me is actually going to go back to that instance. I'm going to do some reprogramming. I'm going to heal myself. And that healing is going to reverberate forward into right now. Mm. That's my, that's how I kind of look at that part of the healing piece. Right. And so I just don't want people to be afraid of that, of, of leaning into that spiritual aspect and, and really calling it what it is. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's dealing in the unseen and that that's okay, right? And that's part of the trip. It's not, it's not the mystic in the cave, right? It's like we got to come out of the cave, <laughs> you know, and get out into the people and start talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that's part of what I'm here to do is like just keep, keep that part of the conversation, you know, so we can be thinking about interfacing with the unseen, because man, being in a body, we have a tremendous amount of power that we can wield in that, right? Because we are so much more than just the body. Like the monkey suit ends here and we go on a pretty big distance, you know? Heck yeah, man. Anyway, okay, ready for lightning round. Love it. All right, ready? Here come the lightning bolts. All right, what is one thing that, <laughs> what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew back when you were 18? I am not my credit rating. Oh, that's a good one. I still need to hear that one now. Uh, and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Preston, it's temperance. Hmm. And I, I think that's just what I'm working with, you know, realizing that sort of as I've gone through and had enough life lessons, I kind of feel like all my, a lot of my rough edges have been kind of been smoothed out, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so my reaction to things is like, I, I'm so much more, as you were speaking earlier, like I come at things with more curiosity than judgment, hmm. you know? And I think that's just, just a, a temperance of, of all that trial, but also like knowing when my power is ready to be expressed. And that's very rare. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a lot more rare than there's, there's a lot more no's in life than yeses. Hmm. You know what I mean? But man, when you hit that, when, when you express your power in the right way at just the right time, you know, oh, the world can change. Yeah. Good one, man. I like that. Uh, and last but not least, where can folks follow you, find you, connect with you, do some superhero, superpower discovery training? <laughs> where would you like for everybody to come check you out? Cool. Thank you. appreciate that. So they can find me on Facebook. Just started a container for that called Midnight Lotus Mystery School. Hmm. And we're offering a training. I'm offering a, a masterclass in dealing with dark arts in January. So that's kind of the first offering of that. But dude, that's where you can find me there. Connect with me there. Message me there. That's fine. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, uh, it's been an honor to get to 
dive into the superhero realms, the superpower, soulful realms with you. It's been good to get to know you just from this conversation. And I look forward to tracking your journey as you go, because mm -hmm. I, 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 I vibe and I resonate with what you're doing in the world, man. So oh, thanks for bringing you know, it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really, again, appreciate all that you're doing and to be part of this legacy that you're, that you're laying down. Super grateful, very happy. Yeah, really fun, man, going into this vortex with you. Awesome. Likewise, bro. You got it, man. Well, until next time, man, stay blessed. Cheers. All right, fam. I hope you enjoyed another amazing conversation with this man, Goa. Truly a unique character, dropping a lot of wisdom and information here today. Make sure you guys go follow him, track him, check him out and what he's up to in the world because he's doing some very interesting and unique things and a real dude, just a real dude. Really enjoyed this conversation with Goa and everything he had to say. A very different perspective than a lot of guests who've been on the show before. So let us know what you think about it. Go check us out. Give us some comments underneath the show notes when you go check them out over at risingman.org. Make sure you guys sign up to be a part of our Rising Man Fire Circles. Join us for a one-day event called The Warrior coming up in May. Become a greater part of this community because the only way you get more for your life is by leaning farther in. So whether it's a part of our virtual fire circle community, the one-day event call the warrior that we're doing in San Francisco and Los Angeles, or if you go all the way and get yourself signed up for our next Compass Men's Initiation, whatever it is, all the information for that is at risingman.org. Go get after it today. And while you're at it, subscribe to the Rising Man podcast wherever you're listening to us. Drop some comments and some love telling us what you think. What are your biggest takeaways? Let us know what is hitting you the hardest from each episode. Let's continue this conversation beyond the conversation that you're listening to. Let's take it to the next level because my mission from the beginning was for more of us men to be engaged with this dialogue of what it means to be a man. So beyond listening to it, get yourself involved. Drop some comments, send me a message, whatever it takes. Get, share, share this episode with a brother of yours and just start a conversation because that is what's going to change the planet. Believe that. Also, make sure you guys check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our brand spanking new YouTube channel. I guess it's kind of broken in now. I can't say brand spanking new, but our YouTube channel, The Rising Man. Go to youtube.com slash The Rising Man Movement. All of our Monday morning meditation episodes are being presented in video format on our YouTube channel now, so you can go check that out, as well as a host of other video content that we're putting together for you guys. So go subscribe, go share it up, go give us some love. Big shout outs to my power team, Rowan Tyne, Julian Subic, Ryan Wilcox, Sean Offenbach, and Mr. Mark Rose rounding it out. My power five, I got a five squad right now. We got a basketball team with a sub. How about that? How about that? We got a basketball team with a sub now. All right, everybody. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.